following is an unpaid production from Seeker Start. Viewer discretion is advised. Grant, what are you doing? <laughs> what you guys are about to hear is our interview we did with Do Theology. They're a great podcast, and this is a really good interview, I think. Enjoy. So we're here with Jeremy Howard and Kip Chip Chase. Or Ken Chip Chase. We'll call sorry. him Ken this time. You're not Kip. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> that's a name. Um, so you are you guys run the Do Theology podcast, correct? That's it. right. That's great. How long have you guys been doing that? A year now. We just had our one year birthday just uh, just this week. Wow. Happy birthday, Do Theology. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Out of a song. Out of We're still in diapers. <laughs> that's great what uh so what what was your guys's reasoning what made you guys want to start doing uh the do theology podcast yeah back in my bible college days uh almost 10 years ago i was a uh, an intern at a bible church for a youth group and i created a, uh, a doctrines chart because as i was working with this youth group getting to know their thought process behind uh, how they approached theology and uh, conversations with their friends, it became apparent to me that they didn't fully understand how important some doctrines were over and against other doctrines. And so I put together a real basic uh, chart that outlined primary doctrine, secondary doctrine, and doubtful things. And um, we did a little activity with them, and that really revealed that they did not have balance regarding uh, the most important things in the Christian life. And I found out later on, it wasn't just that youth group. It was uh, a lot of Christians and a lot of yeah. churches uh, that were really good at majoring on the minors and minoring on the majors. So uh, we sought out, uh, Ken and I, which he was at Bible college with me, and we sought out to have these conversations on a broader scale to help the American church um, not so much the American church, I guess it really is the global church, but in America, we really get a lot of things backwards, it seems. Um, but, but to help Christians think through these issues to understand what is of first importance according to scripture and what isn't according to scripture. So uh, our whole goal is to sort these things out from the Bible for God's glory. Yeah, and that's, that's great. I think uh, me and Grant have had very similar experiences in the church. And that's, that's also why we have, you know, a, such a desire to 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 share um, what has helped us so greatly in in loving God and wanting to live for Him. Uh, so yeah, this chart is great. Um, as I was reading through, we've we've talked a few times about primary, secondary, tertiary doctrines, right, mm -hmm. um, and what that looks like. Um, but go ahead and uh, and explain the chart: um, primary, secondary, and and what you call doubtful things. Uh, maybe give some simple definitions for those and, and what, what that looks like. Sure. So for anybody that wants to, to view this, they can go to dotheology.com slash chart, and it's available for there. There's a P you can download as a PDF to have it available. So we're going to make that available to people. Um, but the, the first column there, as you mentioned, is the primary doctrines column. And we say that these are truths that, that affect fellowship with others. These things we say are definitional to Christianity. You can't subtract something from this column and still have biblical Christianity. They are the foundational truths. 
Now, this includes things like gospel truths, right? The sinfulness of man, unique nature of Christ, substitutionary atonement, etc. But not everything in here is about the gospel. There are other aspects of theology that are still definitional to Christianity, even if they are not gospel truths themselves, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, secondary doctrines, um, what would, because I think, uh, for instance, a lot of people have asked me personally back home, um, that's one of the stumbling blocks for them to coming into the face of the fact that there's so many different denominations, there's so many different truths, quote unquote, and it's very confusing to them. Um, so explain maybe secondary doctrine and, and maybe how you would answer that question uh, as far as why are there so many denominations? I just had to answer that question today. I was having a lunch with um, my local wards, first counselor and the bishopric, which if you're familiar with Mormonism, you know what that is. <laughs> um, but I was just meeting up with him to talk about the gospel. And one of the questions he has, like many Mormons is, well, if Christianity is true, why are there so many denominations? And what we've done in the, the chart and how we've shaped our paradigm to view this conversation is to make hermeneutics the dividing line between primary doctrine and secondary doctrine. So hermeneutics, which is just the theological word for interpreting the Bible, um, there, there are different ways of interpreting the Bible. That's why we get different end times views. That's why we have different levels of Calvinism or Arminianism. That's why we have these arguments that are in-house within Christianity that don't make someone a heretic. They just make someone a different denomination. That's why there are Presbyterians and Baptists. And so the primary doctrines are those topics in Scripture that transcend our interpretive method. They're the truths of Scripture that no matter what valid hermeneutic you're using, you are going to come out understanding that, yeah, uh, Jesus rose from the dead in bodily form. There's no way to read the Bible and not get that from the scriptures. Uh, but secondary doctrine are these issues that it really depends on the interpretive method that you're using, uh, where you're going to land on those. So there are, there are some people that use one type of hermeneutic, and they end up believing that Jesus is going to return before a literal 1,000-year reign on the earth. Then there are some people who read the scriptures using a different interpretive method, and they say, you know what, I, I think that 1,000-year period is actually metaphorical, and we're living in that right now. That doesn't make one person orthodox and the other person a heretic. What that does is it just means these are Christian brothers who disagree on this issue. That issue is not definitional to Christianity. So the hermeneutics aspect is really central. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's, <clears throat> I think that's really important too, especially to, um, to explain that primary doctrine. I mean, just uh, before I was at Bible college, I didn't even know what doctrine uh, meant. So to have, you know, a chart like this to kind of explain, like, these are the things that cannot be compromised yeah. in order to believe in that. And I, yeah, I think that's really good. I think that's really wise to, um, to have that and to, you know, have a solid hermeneutic when going into um, those secondary things. Yeah, and like I mentioned, you know, our heart is to define it from the scriptures because anybody could make a list and say, well, this is what Christianity is. Well, who cares? It's your list. I'll make my list. You know, we can all make our own list. Well, the scriptures are, is really what's key to all of this because the scriptures themselves, the word of God presents to us what is non-negotiable. It presents to us the Holy Spirit working through the scriptures 
he presents to us what is central to Christianity. And, uh, you know, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15 to the, the church in Corinth, I delivered to you what was of first importance, that Jesus died according to the scriptures and was buried and rose again according to the scriptures. He, he could have said a lot of things for what was of first importance, but he said it was that Jesus died and rose again. So we know that those doctrines are elevated over and against other doctrines. So scripture presents it that way. We have to understand that and submit to it as we look to define Christianity and then live out our Christianity. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't, I, I'm sure that you guys can probably uh, have seen this before as well. I mean, when I first was growing up into learning doctrine, right, I came across Calvinism for the first time. And I immediately was, immediately, first of all, I immediately hated it because I was like, no, no way. But then I was like, I was like okay, this actually seems like what, this is what the Bible is saying. And so now my, my sole purpose in life was to evangelize Calvinism, right? Everyone has to be a Calvinist. Um, and I've seen, I've seen other churches around, um, I mean, on social media and different things like that that say, well, if you're a Calvinist, you're going to hell. Calvinism's, you know, heresy. And, you know, so they make it a primary doctrine. Um, how do you, how do we go about holding to secondary doctrines while also, um, understanding that they're secondary, right? Yeah. So you know, when we put something in the secondary doctrine category, we're not necessarily saying that, you know, everybody is going to be able to just kind of sing kumbaya around a campfire and everybody's going to get along perfectly by viewing things in the secondary column. Now, it, it being secondary, there's still going to be some differences where it's going to be difficult to do ministry alongside one another. In fact, that's where a lot of these denominations come from. If someone differs greatly on Calvinism and Arminianism, depending on how strongly they're holding to that in the different uh, context of their local churches, they may or may not be able to work together in ministry alongside one another. But the important thing is, is recognizing, now this is still my brother or sister in Christ. I have serious disagreements with them about their approach to this issue, but they're still my brother or sister in Christ. And I need to approach them with an attitude of grace, with an attitude of, of, of love towards them and not, have that militant mindset where uh, we're trying to knock people down and, and, and uh, things of that nature. And in that secondary column, we've broken it down into two categories, the worldview shaping and methodology. Calvinism is something that fits into that worldview shaping category. Like when you came to, to believe in Calvinism, to, I hate to phrase it that way. I know that's not the way you would want to phrase, but when you came to identify as a Calvinist, how about that? Um, it's something that really changes your outlook on life. It affects the way you see man day-to-day -day basis. And you're going to be passionate about that. Uh, all, there are several secondary doctrines that fit into that category. And the responsibility of the mature Christian is to understand that if you're right, other people aren't there yet. And that's okay. <laughs> and uh, there are some people who will never be there, and that's okay. It's also your responsibility to recognize you could be wrong about that. <laughs> the, the primary doctrines, we can't be wrong about. Scripture is clear. It's definitional to our faith. But what's secondary, even though we're really fired up about it, we could still be wrong, and other believers can argue with us and disagree with us, whatever it is, and that's okay, and we have to be okay with that. Yeah. 
yeah, and I think that's one of the most difficult things too, especially once you kind of come around to Calvinism is you almost have like, for me anyway, I shouldn't generalize, but for me anyway, it's like you kind of have this like almost sense of like pride, like, you know, <laughs> I, I understand this. So for you to tell me I'm wrong. How could, I understand that I could have none of this on my own. It's <laughs> <laughs> the most ironic attitude in the world, isn't it? <laughs> it's so weird to believe that and be prideful. Um, hmm. like, you know, it's, it's very easy to do, though, Yeah, it's at the funny. same time. So. Um, but, yeah, so, um, you know, we, we covered the primary and, and we've touched on the secondary. But um, the doubtful things over here, this third column, um, what, so what, what do you mean on, on doubtful things? I kind of see the list at the bottom of things that uh, – could be controversial within a lot of um, churches. Well, so if you guys want to open up on that a little bit. Sure. So uh, doubtful things. First, the, the name of that column comes from the, the New King James translation from Romans chapter 14, where this, it says not to argue about doubtful things and different translations render that differently. But that's where that title comes from as far as doubtful things for that third column. And these are things that we would say are conscience issues. These are things that the Bible doesn't necessarily direct, uh, address directly, giving specific instruction on, and it leaves to the individual's conscience. You know, we have passages that speak to, you know, food sacrifice to idols. So should I eat that? Should I not eat that? Paul essentially says that's, that's up to your conscience. The, the one who eats should not look down on the one who doesn't, and the one who does not eat should not look down on the one who does. Mm. And there are a number of issues, different things that we face, different decisions, lifestyle decisions that we make in our lives, uh, how we approach, all kinds of different things from uh, what kind of clothes we're going to wear, what kind of food we're going to eat, uh, Bible translations we're going to use, how we're going to educate our children, etc. There's a whole range of issues that we have to make choices about. We have to decide how we're going to live our lives in this way. Now, these things, as we make these, de these decisions, they should be guided by biblical principles. And this is something, if you look at the chart, there's a, there's a line of text across the top that says, primary doctrines should not be violated by other doctrines. These objective truths inform and limit convictions and conscience matters. So what we're saying is that the, those first two columns, they should inform how we make decisions in that third column. Now, there's still going to be some variance and room for individual conscience, but we need to apply biblical wisdom as we approach those matters while giving room for other people to make different decisions in the midst of that as well. Yeah, um, I mean, me, me and Grant grew up in a, in a place where um, – if you, if you asked someone around in our church, or maybe if you asked our mom or dad, or, or whatever the case may be, if, um, should we drink, right? And the answer is no, <laughs> not at all. You know, Christians don't do that. Um, different clothing, you see someone, it's like, oh my gosh, look at that person. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's like, they shouldn't be wearing that, especially as a Christian. Um, and obviously, there are different, there are ways we have to be able to handle alcohol. There are ways that we shouldn't be dressing as Christians, right? Um, but at the same time, there, there has to be this liberty um, that the Holy Spirit is convicting us, or we have like this conscience that we have, we have to listen to it. Um, so I, I remember this one quote from, I'd like to get your guys' thoughts on, um, Albert Muller was doing a, um, a chapel service and he said once, and I, I just always remembered it, he said, 
you, liberalism is when you don't hold anything as primary doctrine. Um, legalism was when you hold everything as primary doctrine. Yep. Uh, I like to get you guys' thoughts on that and what that, uh, how maybe you look at that. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, so this whole three column setup of primary, secondary, and doubtful doesn't exist in the minds of liberals or legalists. <laughs> uh, it's all one column. And for the liberal, it says doubtful. And for the legalist, it says primary. And that's, that's pretty much it. Though I would amend that to say um, for the legalist, they will often actually take what is primary and make it doubtful uh, in, in a lot of ways, uh, where they become so proficient in what they believe about what can be worn, what can be watched, what can be consumed. They, they know that inside and out as far as their man-made rules. And then you ask them what penal substitutionary atonement is, and they've never heard of the term. So they've taken something that is actually primary. We have to understand what penal substitutionary atonement is. They've taken that and they've relegated to the junk drawer of things we don't really think about. So in so doing, they're really making a distinction between what is primary and what is doubtful. They've just switched the two uh, from our chart in, in their own mind and in the way that they live. So it's, it's really important that we have an understanding of, of these things and we keep it in order because all of us are liberals waiting to happen or legalists waiting to happen, each one of us. So if we can keep this in front of us and you really use this as a paradigm to think about Christian doctrine, um, those are some guardrails for us. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really good. And I think also with that, we need to, um, you know, if we, if, we'll, if we feel convicted about something or our conscience says, you know, this is, you know, sinful, this is what I hold as, as wrong as what I hold as right as far as those doubtful things like that, that list you guys have provided there. Um, we have to also make the distinction of just because I hold to this doesn't mean that everyone does so i can't hold someone else to that and think that that person is in sin because my conscience binds me from this yeah, yeah. And I think and, and okay. there are time there are times when for different purposes christians can come together to agree to um bind their consciences together on some doubtful things. And we see this in scripture, the Jerusalem council in Acts 15, the Gentiles were asked to abstain from things strangled and from blood. Uh, they were free in Christ to have those things, yet they yielded in submission to the uh, elders, to James um, and to the apostles who wrote this letter. And, and they said, okay, you know, we'll do that. Uh, and, they felt free to ask them to do that. The apostles and elders felt free to ask them to give up their liberty for that. And so you might be joining some sort of Christian organization. Like I, I was a missionary with a missions agency once upon a time, and, and they said, no alcohol. Well, it's our freedom to, to do that. But um, for the sake of the organization, you know, we agreed to it. And so there are times and places for that. But yeah, generally speaking, we need to give each other liberty and be patient with each other and just have the goal be love. Don't cause each other to stumble. And if, if that's our goal, we're all going to be okay. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um, I think uh, the last question that, that I have for you, at least, Grant, maybe I may, may have one more. Um, how should we, having, understand, have an, having an understanding of these primary, secondary, and doubtful things, how should they cause us to live 
um, in our, in not only with one another, but in our own personal lives? Um, how should they affect us uh, in our living, would you say? Or in our ministry or whatever the case may be. Sure. Well, well they should uh, cause us to listen to the Do Theology podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Heck yeah. <laughs> no, I'm and the Seeker Start podcast. Yeah, Every right. episode. That's, that's right. <laughs> no, so as as we approach this, you know, this this chart is really for the purpose of of helping us think through these things intentionally, right? And that's what our podcast is about, to try to think through these things intentionally so that we can live as effective, faithful, Bible-believing Christians. And when it comes to issues in the primary column, yeah, that should affect how we live because things in that first column, if you look at the bottom, it's not just doctrine. There's areas of, of practice of, of how we live our lives. We, are, we must be living according to biblical morality. And so when we're understanding correctly primary doctrine, primary things that it is going to affect how we conduct our lives on a moral level, but it's also going to impact how, who we align ourselves with, who we ally ourselves with. If you read through the list in the primary doctrines column, you're going to see a lot of things that are going to separate you from, like we talked about liberal Christianity, progressive Christianity has, it has strayed on a number of these points and has, has taken a different path it is not faithful to biblical Christianity. That's going to affect who we align ourselves with. And then, yeah, as we look at the secondary column in, the, in that doubtful things column, it's going to affect how we live and how, who we show grace to and how we interact with others. It should have a tremendous impact that way. And as we understand the areas of liberty, um, for those who are the stronger brothers, uh, it is your job to look out for the weaker. <laughs> that's, the com that's the commission of Romans 14. Um, the stronger brother needs to make sure he doesn't cause the weaker one to stumble. And so we have to recognize the areas of liberty for what they are and, and say, yeah, I have liberty and be excited about that and, and live in that liberty and enjoy that liberty. But once that starts bumping up against someone else's conscience, it's your job to submit, to yield, and to allow that brother or sister to flourish in Christ based on his or her conscience. Yeah, and if I could just echo that as well. It's something I heard is um, liberty is actually, it's not for you. It's for your brothers, right? Liberty is to allow yourself, you have the freedom to abstain from whatever it is for the sake of your brothers. We ought to be using our liberty to love one another. That's great. Yeah, that's really good. And yeah, and in uh, <clears throat> this chart, um, like they said, it'll be um, on their site and, and we'll also link it into the show notes. Um, but yeah, I think this is a really helpful chart. I think it um, can really help a lot of people who are kind of in those early stages of Christianity or for those who've never really looked into doctrine, you know. Um, and I think it would be really helpful. I have a, uh, a fresh um, pack of printer paper and I'm going to use each single one uh, to print this chart out onto. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I work at an apartment complex, so I'm just going to start taping them on people's doors. So it works Perfect. Out well. <laughs> um, no, but yeah, thank you guys uh, so much for, for being on the podcast. We're, we're glad we got to, uh, to kind of talk through this chart and hopefully it'll be uh, beneficial for, for anyone. Is there, who hears is there anything it. that you guys would like to kind of say what you guys have going on, anything like that for our listeners? 
Yeah, sure. We just launched season three of the podcast. And so, um, you know, part half of our podcast is interviewing people. And so we've got Ray Comfort, uh, Bob Coughlin, Carl Truman, Elisa Childers, Matt Slick, and others on the podcast this season. Those episodes are coming out week by week. And uh, on the other weeks, it's Ken and I talking through these issues and seeking to apply them to life. So we, we want to get really practical. That's that's our goal is to help help the Christian put these things into practice. That's awesome. Yeah, go check their podcast out. It, uh, I've listened to um, a couple episodes of it. I listened to the Ray Comfort one and the one with Rappaport. And so that was, both of those are really, really awesome. And so, yeah, go check them out, guys, if you get the chance. Also, the, um, we are part of the Society of Reform podcast. Go check those guys out. You guys are also part of a, um, a community, right? Yes, the Christian podcast community. Yeah. So. Yep. Simple as it gets. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Christian podcast communities. Cut dry ride to <laughs> that's, <it. Yep. laughs> that's great. But yeah, so thank you guys again for being on and uh and thank you for listening. Don't forget to go and subscribe to Seeker Start and the Do Theology Podcast. Leave a review, leave five stars, leave a comment. Tell us we're the worst, tell us we're the best. Tell Do Theology they're the best though. Don't say that thing. Yeah, don't tell them they're the worst. (laughs) (laughs) Because they're not. All right, guys. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll be looking forward to listening to what you guys have coming out next. So, yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you.